Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. They have to understand I chose to, to stay in my country because I'm French. And, and the Bernabeu brings it back! I haven't, I haven't got a problem with soccer, to be fair. Good ball. Oh, what a start! What I can guarantee to you is that they want to keep everything secret. Afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome to House of Champions. We are here with you to recap the USMNT's one-all draw with Wales, the Netherlands 2-0 win over Senegal, and we will touch on today's earlier game, which we analysed in full over on YouTube, England's 6-2 win over Iran. I am joined by Mike Lahoud and Nigel Riokoka. House of Champions is with you right now. Let's start with you, Mike LaHood. USMNT won, Wales won. It was all looking so good 45 minutes through, but let's call a spade a spade. This is looking quite tough for the US to even get out of the group now, isn't it? Uh, Why the glum face, Michael? Because we had the game. We had the game. And one moment of madness, I promised myself I wouldn't go on a full-on rant. I'll save it for the remainder of the show. But one moment of madness just cost us three points that was there to be had. I'm disappointed in the result. I thought we were better than Wales overall, just disappointing the result. I thought it was three points pissed away. Yeah. I mean, I have to agree with you there. Yeah. Am I off there, that? Yes. You, you do? Find baffling. I mean, let's start maybe with the, that first half and how yeah. impressive I thought the mm. U S were from the outset, high pressing, Lots of energy, a nice vertical line. I mean, why did that team? I mean, what what was different between that team and the team that showed up in the second half? I think they they took their foot off the gas. This is a U.S. team that I felt like I was watching Leeds United in some weird way, where for sixty minutes it's going well, it's according to plan, and then the momentum starts changing a bit. I thought the midfield three ran themselves into the ground. First 45, their ability to press, their ability to keep Wales pinned in their own end. I thought Tyler Adams was class overall in the full 90. But then Weston McKinney got tired. Eunice Musa got tired. These are two players who cover 
a lot of ground, but I thought he should have taken Weston McKinney off a bit earlier, maybe bring Brendan Aronson on. And then it was just a matter of time. You could tell when Kiefer Moore came on, and we'll touch on Wales in a bit, but we didn't have an answer for Kiefer Moore. And against this Wales team, their front three, they do have enough quality that if you're just going to sit back and allow balls into the box, if you're going to sit back and allow service from out wide, I thought they did a poor job in the second half of getting pressure to anything out wide. The two wing backs from Wales got much higher up than we saw in the first half, and it was only a matter of time. And if, if you watch anything on Twitter, if you're watching the match live, or if you're watching just – I wish you had a, a GoPro in my household. The nail, the nail-biting effect of waiting for that goal to come in. It was only a matter of time. I keep saying it. And I'm, my head's about to be gone. Just so frustrated at this result. Nigel, that, that first half, were the U.S. good or were Wales just a non-entity in this game? Before I get into that, James, my good friend, there's a comment here that actually made me chuckle. And it's from blah, blah. And it said he just subscribed just to let Michael Lou know he's very delusional if he thinks USA could play football. It just made me chuckle a bit. Listen, I'll give credit to USA. I thought that they did play well in the first half. But again, from what I saw, to progress in this tournament, they're lacking that edge, that final end product, that bite, that natural goal scorer. It's there for everyone to see. To another degree, I was very disappointed with Wells. I can be heavily critical of Wells' performance because for me, Wells showed USA way too much respect by how they sat back so deep. At one point, I felt there were... Uh, copying Diego Simeone's blueprint of Atletico Madrid kind of performance. Look at the difference in the second half when they bring on more. If they show that mm. same aggression in the first half with how much of a threat he's up front with his hold-up play, his link-up play, which was what Wells was struggling in the whole first half, having that target man that can really hold up the play and bring the team higher up the pitch. Second half, he was the game-changer. Also, how much of a danger he was from set-pieces. I think for me, it's a good performance from USA because it's a, there's a lot they can take from that. I don't want to hear any fans in the chat or anyone say we've got the youngest squad in the tournament. I don't care. No one told mm. you to pick a young squad. That was your decision. You don't get a trophy for that. You don't get brownie points. Pick the best players that you but, feel. So Nigel, don't give me that young squad thing. That doesn't that doesn't wash. But Nigel, other, we're, we're, we're talking about a Wales team that looked relieved to get a 1-1 draw. Before this game, the USMNT, Michael, they had no Michael, chance. They had Michael. I'm the look of relief on Wales's face to be out of their 1-1. One, one. Says okay, a lot. but do you know why, Michael? Because they know they didn't play to their true potential. They know they let themselves down in the first half. That's the, that's the difference. They knew they let themselves down. Second half, they were a different team. For me, that should be a learning experience for this young USA team, as people like to say. If you want to get far in this tournament, you have to be able to play for 90 minutes. You don't get brownie points for 45 minutes performances. This is the World Cup. Mm. There's got to be better control, better belief and confidence. They folded in the second half. And if you look back again at that game, you talk about clear-cut chances, not half chances and around the edge of the box. Wales had the better clear-cut chances to win that game. Anyone who watched that game would say Wales had the better clear-cut chances. I thought, like I said, the young players did well for USA. They surprised me with their performances, but you can still see holes in their game. And let's get into perspective now. That draw keeps both those teams alive. The worst team that America could play next in this situation is England. Because in an England's perspective, you're thinking in your head, we win this game, we're through to the next stages. That's what it is. It's tournament football. There isn't no friendship or take it easy. They have to beat USA 
to get to the next stage. If USA lose that game and Wales beats Iran, it changes the whole dynamic of the group, which I said would be a very difficult group. But for me, I thought that it was a good game to watch. I think it should be a big learning curve for the US national team. And you can't say that Wales literally just clawed their way back into that game because second half they dominated the US. But they clawed their way back into the game. <laughs> that defend, is what defend happened. Pro- defend properly, mate. I mean, let's, let's I, I, fascinating chat here from the two of you, but let's have a look at your comments. Everyone that's watching live, do let us know what you thought of that game. I thought it was really fascinating. And, and I think to an extent, Wales, I agree with Nigel, probably Wales will feel like they deserve to win this game just as much as the USMNT did. The, the, the classic tale of two halves, as Luigi Aluyi 29 says, in the first half, USA was spectacular. These young players entered the field with grit. I mean, the LeBron James of soccer, Christian Pulisic, <laughs> playing that point forward pass to Timothy Weyer. And as I pointed out on Twitter, Timothy Weyer, a young, uh, a boyhood Arsenal fan. And do you know who he grew up admiring? Theo Walcott. Hmm. Um, I was, would say that was a Theo Walcotty finish, but uh, he actually managed to get it on target and into <laughs> the net. Blah, blah. Yanks are limited. They can't dribble. They can't score. They can't coach. Therefore, they can't play. And they're never better than anyone. It's a little bit harsh, and but we'll see how they do against Iran. But the but, thing that really interests me here, and I don't want to dash too far ahead away from the game, yeah. but Del Boy Zero, picking up on the point you were making, Nigel, USA are out. They have to be England to have a chance. Mike LaHood, has the yeah. fixture list just fallen really unkindly? We were, we were talking before you came on air mm. um, that, that, you know, the US are going to have to match whatever Wales do against Iran. I thought we saw that it was quite a limited Iranian team. Wales get to set the pace, set the agenda. What do, what would you rather as a, a USMNT fan? Would you rather be playing Iran next or, or England next? I'd rather be playing England next because Wales, <laughs> that is going to be a difficult game for Wales to end the group against England. <laughs> if you're Wales. An England team that might be through and might be. Might, sure, might be, but no, no guarantee yet because you haven't kicked the ball yet. If you're Wales, right, you know it's going to be an absolute bloodbath when you play against one of your neighbors. There's going to be a lot of emotions in that game. I could see this group going down to the final kick of the ball. I could literally be seeing it being a repeat of 2010 where no one gave the U.S. a chance given how they started the World Cup, given how some of the things unfolded. It was in the second game and obviously the last gasp goal for Landon Donovan were the heroics and the nostalgia of 2010 and seeing them go through the group in just incredible dramatic fashion, was born. With this U.S. team in this game, yes, Wales, second half, Kiefer Moore, the introduction of Brendan Johnson came in. Kiefer Moore, four goals in the Premier League, one of the league leaders or one of the the team leaders for Bournemouth. Don't know why he did not start. I thought that was a a very rubbish decision to not start a guy. Dan James getting a, what, got a goal against United, good enough to start in the World Cup, I guess, because you showed up for one week. I, I think Wales will learn from that. I think Kiefer Moore will be the starting striker moving forward but for the u.s men's national team my question is this is walker zimmerman your best defender to partner tim ream i do not think so we've seen this for walker zimmerman before in a u.s shirt and a club shirt before this game walker zimmerman rash challenges towards the end of the season cost nashville their playoff run in mls walker zimmerman on that play just a rush of blood to the head gareth bale gets the ball if he does anything but panic and lunge in. Maybe he sees that out. Gareth Bale, you know he wants to swivel to his left. Gareth Bale had nowhere really to go. He was waiting. He saw Walker Zimmerman coming with a full head of steam. Michael, I think, Michael, I have to let stop me finish this there. point. I'm let me sorry, finish this Michael. point. I think Cameron Carter-Vickers, if that's Cameron Carter-Vickers, 
plays for Celtic, plays in the Champions League. I think if that's a player that's playing center back, that goal or that penalty kick does not happen. Maybe a goal happens regardless, James, but that's a soft PK to give up. If you go, James. Reserve. I'll go after. I'm coming for See, my- And this no. is this is very interesting because it, it is natural. I'm sure Nigel and I will be be sort of accused of the same when we come to talk about England and, and no, if they do ever have any setbacks. No. Um, but Kevin McDougall here, an excellent point. Thanks for throwing this into the chat, Kevin. As a Canadian viewer, I've noticed a tendency for poor US results to be framed as a we were our own worst enemy rather than recognizing the skill in the opponent and I, I mean I think every national team their supporters are guilty of this but the one thing that kind of we haven't really spoken about is how effective Aaron Ramsey and Gareth Bale were in the second half we were talking about this on the preview pod that you know when the mood struck them Wales have the two best players on the pitch the two players with real experience of making a difference at, at the highest level and for me you know adding in the, the tactical nuances that came with lumping the ball long to Kiefer Moore I thought that was what swung the game, and it was as much what Rob Page did at halftime. Go on, Nigel. That's my, got that's my point. I think for me, I, I, I agree with, uh, I think, Kevin McDougall or McDonald, however you say it, whatever. <laughs> I agree with Ke- <laughs> Kevin. Anyway, the thing is this. Mm. You have to be critical. If you want your team to progress, you have to be critical. Let's take this US thing out of all these bubble wraps and all this protection, right? Good potential. Great potential. But the reality of it is you want to win at the highest level. You want to compete against the best nations in the country. You have to learn from this. You threw that game away because they couldn't handle the pressure of the second half. They couldn't adapt to the changes that Wales made to become a lot more direct. Everyone gets tired. I don't want to hear the US look tired because Wales were tired too. And the difference is there's a lot more football intelligence used by Wales than there was with the US national team. That all comes in part and parcel of the Mm. game and experience and the levels you play at. So you made it seem like it was a rational challenge from Zimmerman, but it was great football intelligence by Gareth Bell. Gareth Bell's played this game long enough to know he's in the box. He knows all defenders are going to do that. All he has to do is get his body in between the ball and the defender. Knew the defender was going to lunge in. You got to give credit for Gareth Bell. You give it's credit. You do give credit to Bell. You give. To, you do give credit to Bell. But if that's an England defender that does that. Do you still say football intelligence or do you say Harry Maguire rubbish challenge? No, we Guaranteed, say, we, we, you we, both say we that's say, a stupid no, challenge. Say, no, we At the say end of the day, it was right. a stupid decision right. by Walker Zimmerman that set we up that penalty kick. It was building say. and building, but those are the decisions. If you make a decision to lunge as a defender, if you lunge against an attacker, a striker, whatever Gareth Bale is at these day, this given day, right. his back to goal, you see him slowing down, waiting for contact. You don't have to do that. You okay, stand my, him up. My point is this. You would say it's lazy defending and you'll be critical of him. But on the other hand, why didn't USA make some changes as you can clearly see on television, like you said on Twitter, pressure's mounting. A goal is coming. What changes can we make to affect the flow of the game and change the flow? We talk about it in other situations about intelligent managers reading the game and the flow of the game. What changes can be made? USA did not make the right changes enough to affect the flow of the game. And like someone said there, I think more, and I said it again in the private chat, he changed the whole dynamic of the game and yep. USA didn't change tactically enough to nullify the threat and the presence that he had. I think Nigel's been very harsh here because at least one of the substitutions that Greg Berhalter made Brilliant had a answer. significant, a crucial impact on the result. That was, of course, Kellen Acosta, who I, <laughs> I mean, I oh, think this on. is the... I think this is one of the plays of the tournament. This is right up there with Bukayo Saka's second goal. Matt Turner trying a bit of the Aaron Ramsdale's, trying to head the ball out, does not head it to safety, and the ball mm. drops to Bale on the halfway line. You can see it happening. It's written in the stars. 
outstanding foul by Kellen Acosta, the best yellow card he'll ever take <laughs> the for the U.S. men's one. national team. Saved yeah. USA and mm. probably, I mean, has kept them certainly in the World Cup and kept their hopes alive, even if I think we all agree they've made it a little bit tougher. But one other thing I wanted to hit up on was uh, the experiences of our colleague, uh, Grant Wall, out in uh, out in Qatar, he was at today's game. He he wore a, a t shirt with a rainbow flag on it, and as he says, you can see that those of you watching on YouTube can see that. But I'll read out the the post. Grant Wall detained by security at Qatar World Cup for wearing a t shirt supporting LGBT rights, forcefully took his phone and angrily demanded that he removed a t shirt to enter the stadium. He refused, which I presume is was something that was welcome in the press box so that people didn't have to sit next to a, a topless Grant Wall. I mean, we should say this isn't just something that happened to, to one journalist out there as well. You know, I've, I've seen on ITV News a, a Welsh supporter with a, a rainbow bucket hat uh, who had that confiscated. I believe they eventually managed to sneak it into the stadium. So well done them. I mean, we were talking earlier today about the One Love armband and, um, you know, Qatar blocking even that relatively meagre gesture Mike, Mike, Nigel, maybe Mike, you go first. Yeah, love to get your thoughts on this. It's a really dispiriting side of the World Cup. We have to talk about it because it's really important to hammer this message home, I think, day in, day out. Because if this is what allies are being put through, you have to imagine how intimidating it must be for LGBTQ plus people mm. that are traveling to Qatar, let alone those that, that live there and, and know the punishments they yeah. face for their, you know, for their identity, for the way they were born. Yeah, FIFA have to be careful because it's becoming a domino effect with Qatar. First, they say, hey, all is all are welcome. You come to our country. You play by our rules. You adhere to our customs. But what's the end game? Where is the line drawn in the sand? Because it comes to a point where now you're starting to alienate people who support the LGBTQ community, the LGBTQ community outright. Keep in mind, in the United States of America in particular, the LGBTQ community is a massive sense of the soccer community. I see it here in Austin, Texas. I see it at U.S. men's national team game, the women's national team. And I just can't stand for that. When you're starting to, to say, you know, you can't come in with a certain shirt. If you do, we're going to just ostracize you a bit. That's a massive red flag. If things like this continue to happen at this World Cup, it is going to get more press than the actual football being played on the pitch. I think it's going to come down to the players being vocal in the press before anything changes. Well, I agree. Everything you said there, Mike, I think for me, I'm going to look at a different perspective. I think that probably like yourself and like James, like this isn't something that we should be talking about in the World Cup. This isn't something that should be happening in the World Cup. I feel for me, all the direction of the anger and resentment needs to be turned to FIFA because now it's becoming too much anti-Qatar, anti-Middle East. They did what they did to get the World Cup. Who gave them the World Cup? FIFA. All the direction of all this anger, this outrage, everyone's energy needs to be focused at FIFA. That's where everyone needs to really start paying attention to, to say that we want change in FIFA. Because if this is what the leadership is going to do and take it to a place like Qatar, knowing with all these incidents that can come up, changing their minds about armbands, letting people not be who they are, this isn't what football is about. If you put in about football, bringing the world together, uniting the world with one of the world's greatest sports, it's got to be enjoyed by everyone, anyone, anywhere in the world. Qatar did what they did to get the World Cup. That's not something any of us can do about it or football fans can do about it. But what we can do is turn our anger and attention to FIFA, the people who took the World Cup to Qatar, the people who are helping make these decisions, because it's not the Qataris, that's their country. It's FIFA that took this great tournament 
over there. They're the one that needs to burden a lot more of the blame and a lot more of the magnifying glass needs to be put at FIFA and those who made these decisions. I absolutely agree with you, Nigel. And, and it was a really interesting comment there from Rafa Cardenas saying that, you know, federations should look at breaking away from FIFA if this carries on. And you see the comments Gianni Infantino's made over the last few days uh, talking about taking the World Cup to North Korea next. And you do worry that, you know, mm. people are not really thinking about what they've what they've done here and, and thinking about what this could mean for football. Uh, very well said, Nigel. Let's and, and, and one final point on this, I would encourage everyone that has an athletic subscription Give a read of Adam Crafton's excellent piece on this. Um, do please give that a read. But let's move on back to the football, back to matters on the pitch. And it was a great day for England. We've broken this down in full on the YouTube uh, channel. Which, no, Mike Lahoud, we're not going to let this pass. We're talking about this again. Yeah, no. <laughs> Nigel Rio Coker. This is a statement win, isn't it? This is this is vaulting England into the top echelon of, of World Cup teams. I think no, I think it was just it was a win that was needed. And I think you said it earlier on and you touched it right. It was because of the indifferent results England have had going up to this tournament, the questions around the team. I think it was a win that was needed for Gareth Southgate. He really needed this win and, and the boys needed this win because you know it, James, and I know it. The press in England are ruthless. There is no participation trophy when you play for England like you are scrutinized at the highest level and they will sometimes make it personal but that's just the English press that's how we grew up to to, to play football in that environment in that high pressure stakes I think it was a win again I would question Qatar's uh, sorry Iran's performance because I feel there's a lot that they're dealing with outside of football which really isn't fair and that's not the Iran that we know I think we kind of saw a bit more of the Iran that we expected in the second half but by that time, England had already, you know, the, uh, buried the game by then. But it's it's a big win for England, but it's not a win where they're going to get carried away by it. There's still a long way to go. You know, they know they've got another tough game next and that's going to be playing USA. And I think from the mindset of England that they know if they beat USA, that they're through to the next stages. And as you know, in tournament football, you try and win your first two games as quickly as possible. Then you can start preparing for the next round and the next stage of the competition. So it, it's a good win but I know that they, they, they're going to have their feet firmly on the ground. Mike, I think how what, quickly do you think uh, England will have this USMNT game killed off? 15 minutes, 20 minutes? <laughs> well, you read my mind because I said one of the most important things about what England did was getting that early goal. Jude Bellingham getting a young player to rise up to the occasion. I love the professionalism that the entire team showed and, and really respected it. I mean, I, I, me of all people, I've gone ham. And I both I know both of you have sit sat here, listened to me rattle off why this England team's not for real. But hey, you got to give respect and credit where credit is due. I thought the unity that they showed, the fact that you have players who were victims of racial abuse after the last Euros, the likes of Bakayo Saka getting goals, Raheem Sterling, who's been no stranger to being abused and vilified by the British press and media, getting goals. And obviously Marcus Rashford coming off the bench and within seconds getting a goal that says a lot about the resilience of these players to show up at the world's tournament and respond and also watching them celebrate as a team as soon as Bakayo Saka scored I think it was Jude Bellingham Harry Kane going over pointing at him to recognize how big of a moment that was for him personally and for this team I think the strength of this team apart from the quality on the field yes they have individual players is it's always been the last couple of years it's a unified bunch and if they stay unified I think they might be able to do something at this tournament. Still saying might, because I'm still peeved at this USMNT game. James, question for you. Um, I know it's obviously still a long way to go. I've said it before. How worried are you 
that when Gareth Southgate leaves England, are we still going to see such a unified England as we are seeing currently under Gareth Southgate? Do you think other managers have that same power and capability to unify England as we've seen? There are other managers who could, but like you've hit the nail on the head there, Nigel. And I think this is the real challenge of eventually replacing Gareth Southgate if the time is right. Like someone like Graham Potter, who it's clear has an awful lot of emotional IQ and emotional intelligence. He he could do it, I think. Maybe Eddie Howe as well. But I think the challenge is a lot of people kind of look at management as all about your tactical acumen, your you know, you're, and, and of course, you know, these things matter. It matters if you can change a game with your substitutes. And, you know, I don't think we've got a clear sense of that, even though Grealish and uh, Rashford scored. But it also matters, and you know, especially, and you well know this, Nigel, it matters that England's a place you want to come. Um, I was, this is very strange, but I was watching a, uh, a show with two British com- uh, comedians, Rob uh, Beckett and Ramesh Ranganathan. They met up with Southgate and they're just a repartee between these guys and the England manager. And, and I think to an extent, and you guys will know this better than me from playing in your dressing room, but a big part of being a manager is being someone that the players listen to, that they appreciate insight and feedback and support from just as much as whether you can take the handbrake off and play a 4-3-3 as well as you can play a 3-4-2-1. Um, but Mike, I know you want to dive in quickly. We could spend a lot, a lot, a lot of time talking about England, but I'm sure we will because, you know, the kiss of death the kiss of death every time that's said in a tournament the kiss of death has officially been kickstarted by james benz you heard her here first on house of champions but question for both of you before we go to break england playing a 4-2-3-1 one of the first times we've seen that in gareth southgate's tenure really they've gone with a back three really a 3-4-3 formation as an england fan when kyle walker gets healthy do you change much or do you keep what's working or what's shown to be working after one game? I would say for me, Mike, it depends on your position. That's how the modern game is now. You can't just do the one-shoe-fits-all. It depends on the opposition you're playing, the quality of uh, their their left-hand side then, if Carl's playing the right. And it depends what you're trying to achieve tactically. But having those luxuries of having a Carl Walker, Kieran Trippier, and if he was fit, a Reese James and Trent Alexander-Arnold, it's all great luxuries to have. But I think most of the time now, it really does depend on the opposition you're playing against. I think these guys know they're playing at the highest level and teams are going to be changed and rotated, just like they they find out domestically. I think that is what you see in the most advanced managers of the modern game and the ones that are successful. Yeah, horses for courses. And I think you'll, you'll see that not just in the defence, and it's a great question, Mike, but you'll see that in the attack as well. We saw it at the Euros, Saka would start some games, then you'd have Sancho coming in as a way of sort of attacking the specific threats. And just before we move on to break, one and another excellent comment from Luigi G, lots of G's in there, <laughs> Luigi G, who uh, who shouted, wanted to point out the performance of, of Harry Kane. Really excellent display from him. Now leads the World Cup in terms of assists. Maybe he gets the golden boot and whatever the prize is for the top assist at two tournaments in a row. One thing that I think the USMNT are going to find really hard, and I'm going to leave this hanging during the break, Walker Zimmerman and Tim Ream, is one of them going to follow when Kane drops deep? If so, they are not going to have the pace to get back in time. So, James, who's going to pick up Jude in his late runs into the box? (laughs) (laughs) No one. Hey, go to break. Go to break. Who's going to stop Saka? Oh, God. The kettle's getting hot. We'll be back after the break talking Senegal, Netherlands, and, and looking forward to tomorrow's hectic bumper schedule. 
Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Right, Senegal, Netherlands. That was definitely a game that happened. I told you all beforehand Mm. it would be quite dull, and I was vindicated. Obviously, two late goals for the Netherlands, the excellent Cody Gakpo, and then Davy Klaassen finishing it off. Mike? Yeah. Enjoy that game, or is this just one of those ones that happens in the World Cup that you forget <sighs> a few weeks later? Today's a bad day for me for football. Yeah, first Mike's, thing, still, Mike's first... still upset about USA. I love Mike, yes, face, but Mike's face says <laughs> it all. All, all. all the fans making comments, please just encourage Mike. Give Mike some encouragement because his face says it all. So the, I, this Senegal game hurt me just as much as the US game. I'm a big fan of African teams will always push for the African countries at the major tournaments. This was a game where I thought Senegal did well to absorb a ton of pressure early on, and they did well to counter. Senegal a very dangerous counter-attack team. They're a team that do- also doesn't give up much, many goals. They've, we've seen that at AFCON. We've seen that during World Cup qualifying. They severely missed that quality, that extra special something that Saidu Mane would have added. I think if they would have had Mane, they get a goal, and this game is a completely different storyline. 2-0, very flattering for the Netherlands. I don't think this is a 2-0 game. I think this was actually a draw had Senegal been able to get their feet and their wits about them in the final third. Bouladia, he did enough at times to create half chances, but they just didn't have that 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 attacking force that we've seen them up to this point. And I think, and I wonder if that's what's going to cost them in this group. Between the two boxes, I thought they were pretty dang good for a team missing their star player. But in the end, bad goalkeeping as well. Cannot forget about Mendy. Poor goalkeeping on two instances. That's what cost them. In the end, you can't have bad goalkeeping at the World Cup. Mike, just a quick one for me before I get in. From what you saw of Senegal, 
do you feel that out of all the African nations we've seen, that Senegal could be the one African nation that's very close to maybe winning a World Cup in the next two or three World Cups in what you're seeing? I think it depends. And it's difficult to say because obviously we, there, there deserves to be a lot yeah. more African nations to qualify. That's a different subject. But from what you see at Senegal so far, I personally don't think they're that far off. Yeah, I think we I think we'd be able to get more certainty on that if Sadio Mane would have played in this World Cup. I think his loss in terms of physical presence not being there because of injury is is going to be a bit of a detractor from them. I think they're 11. They have the quality to go up against most teams around the world, especially in Europe. I think they're the way they play set up well against European teams. <laughs> It'd be an interesting match if they make it out of the group when they face England. Protect, you know, let's be honest, England will most likely win the group. That match would be significant if if Senegal were able to absorb pressure and get it right in the final third with the likes of Amane. But I look beyond the 11. I'd like to see them get more young talent from France or maybe even through their country, getting from teams like Monaco, from teams throughout Ligue 1 to be a source of just supplemented talent through the team if they can get you know a good 14 15 players coming in their roster for the national team then i'd give them a chance to be a real factor in a bigger way i, 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 was just no, I just say, wanted to say you, you've hit on two great points there and actually one reason i agree with you especially on on i mean first of all of course there need to be so many more african teams in the the world cup how much is this tournament missing Nigeria and the talent that team has? I mean, Egypt as well, wouldn't it be great to see Mo Salah? But one thing with Senegal, slightly tedious point from a, a political nerd like me. One of the reasons I think they are a team that even in a post-Sadio Manic era could compete for a World Cup, it's the thing we never talk about. It's quite a stable country. You know, it is settled, peaceful transitions of power. These sorts of things you think, Oh, keep politics out of football. Why are we talking about this? But actually, you know, this is what matters. This is why Costa Rica qualifies for the World Cup every time. It's stable. Well, or regularly, it's stable. Yeah. It's, you know, comfortable. The, bag, the bags of pee the they throw just at the stadium as well. James, <laughs> that helps. Well, just to add to that, James, it's a comment I've made before on the pod where I made it last time where I said that when you look at some of these African nations now, what we've seen throughout the history of the World Cup, we've seen players shooting at 60, 70 yards, doing crazy things because some of these players are coming from these countries trying to get moves to Europe. But when you look at Senegal and some of the nations now, most of these players are playing in top clubs in Europe, big clubs in Europe. So they're not playing to come out of Africa to get into Europe. And, and the World Cup is their opportunity to really achieve great financial success. So that's the difference. And what you said is 100% right. It's about countries being stable. And again, you talk about the whole bigger picture. This is what I want FIFA to spend more time on. The money that FIFA's giving to these nations to develop their football. Make sure it's actually going to good use to develop their football and that some guy's not sitting at the top of the tree and just siphoning the money and keeping it for their own greed and they're having all these issues. Someone made a comment about Nigeria. Nigeria is a nation that's always been tremendously talented when it comes to football. But there's too much politics involved from government down all the way to Nigerian national team, which is why Nigeria do not succeed. And for me, I think what I've seen is one of the most, like you said, structured countries. The talent is there. Today, I feel that Mendy was at fault for both goals. Because if you look at the first goal, it looks like he made a shout to come out and he didn't get there before the attacking player did. Second one, he's parried away. It wasn't a bad performance. I think that there's questions of the Dutch just by Senegal's performance mm. earlier on, because when they pressed high, the Dutch didn't look too comfortable playing out the back. And against other better opposition, people might say if they can win the ball back quicker and be clinical, 
there's still questions about that Dutch team playing out the back, but it, it wasn't the greatest of games, but I did feel that the Netherlands quality will shine through in the end and then that they would get the result. Wrapping things up on Group A, Mike, a little question yeah. for you, because I was quite intrigued by that opening game and whether Ecuador were just mm. good enough or a little bit underwhelming. And I still don't quite know what I think. So what, wh- where's your head at on, on Ecuador against the Netherlands and whether, you know, this could be a, a proper battle for top spot? Where does Senegal fit in? Who do you, how do you see the rest of this yeah. group shape shaking out? I, I think the same thing that I thought before this match against the Netherlands. It's going to be down to the midfield. In this game, Frankie de Jong and Cody Gapko were the difference for the Netherlands. The ball Frankie de Jong plays in, it's a it's friggin' you could see it coming down from the Alps. The snow was capped on the ball, ball hanging up in the air. But some of the, the entry passes from Frankie de Jong, I thought were superb. He did take a dicey chance in the first half, playing a ball, playing out of the back. A bit of arrogance from him, I think playing a ball to, was it Virgil van Dijk when van Dijk wasn't looking? If that's Saidu Mane getting on the end of it, 1-0 Senegal, and it's a different story. But Netherlands, I think, had a bit too much quality in midfield at the end of the day and were opportunistic. When they got their clean looks with minutes left, they took him. Senegal did not. If the Netherlands show up and play like this against Ecuador, oof, write a new name at the top of this group. It'll be Ecuador. You can't show up and do what they did against Senegal. Credit to Senegal for frustrating the Netherlands. I go back to the start of this game, though. The Cody Gapko gets in. Good combination play. Dumfries didn't have one of his best games. I thought that Ismail Yassar told you about him, one to watch. I thought he had the better of Denzel Dumfries, but Dumfries did get in. One-two with Gapko. Rather than finishing, Gapko plays a square pass. Frankie Dion gets in. 1v1 with Mendy. Tries to roll it around the goalkeeper. If you take the piss that way, at the World Cup, Ecuador will punish you because Ecuador doesn't mess around. We've seen it with what they did against Qatar. I think this is a bit of a scare for the Dutch. I expect them, if they get Memphis Depay on the field, I expect him to start the next game. He came in, looked like whatever injury worries or crisis may have been there, isn't there. I expect him to start. Vincent Janssen, don't know what uh, Louis Van Howe was smoking, but he should never smoke that thing again. Do not ever put Vincent Janssen on a pitch to start a World Cup football match. He got found out. Case done. And boy, was I relieved after absolutely slating Vincent Janssen pre-match that he uh, he did me a solid. I, I'd like to think he was listening. So thanks, Vinny. Uh, you, can, uh, you can pick it up in your next couple of games when I'm not talking about you so much. And that was Monday, the first semi-full, mostly busy fixture list. On to Tuesday. Four games on Tuesday. This World Cup is a relentless drive to the finish line. We start with Group B. Argentina versus Saudi Arabia. I'm not sure there's too much to get interested in about that game. Lionel Messi there says go. he's going to be fit. Got uh, a smile. But the big one, more possibly the battle for second place. I think the battle for second place. Mexico against Poland. Mike, what are we looking forward to in that game? This is a big game for both teams, obviously, but I think it's a bigger game for Mexico. This isn't the Mexico national team that we're used to seeing massive pieces the quality of players that they could have brought in if they didn't have infighting between players and the federation the likes of Javier Chicharito Hernandez Carlos Vela these are players who can still play at the international level they don't have that sort of experience in this team a lot of reliance on Liga Mekis we will see what the standard of the Mexican Soccer League is at this World Cup one player who will be paramount to their chances is Jimenez who plays at Wolves 
how fit is he going to be? What sort of form or or mindset is he going to have? As he goes, this team goes. Hector Herrera as well, the ex-Atleti man. Not really the same since his six-month move to MLS. It's only been six months. But those two players are going to have to be massive. Guardado, the captain for the national team, will have to roll back the clock to some of his younger years to be a presence. The miss of Tecatito Corona is going to be just – they're going to really miss him. Sevilla, the broken leg. But – Gosh, the form of Lozano at Napoli. He's been a big bright spot for him. I think that combination between he and Jimenez, if they hit in this game, they'll give Poland problems. Yeah, I don't really have to add to much. I think Michael's covered it right. For me, I haven't really been too impressed with Mexico from what I've seen in recent years. I think for me, I would say they're in a phase of a bit of redevelopment. I think really bringing in the next generation of Mexican players through of that high standard and quality. I would love to know from our listeners, any Mexican fans out there, what they feel, but I'm not really too impressed with this Mexico team. I don't think we're going to see the usual Mexico performance or Mexico team that brings that excitement, that real bit of uh, spice to a world cup and, and the real creativity and uh, ingenuity. Um, definitely going to be one to watch. I, I favor Poland to go through, to sneak through in this group alongside um, Argentina. Well, I'm not too impressed with Poland either. Yeah. They've not been scoring a huge number of goals. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, I expect. You know, it looks great up top, but you do have to get the ball to Robert Lewandowski to score. Right, Group D as well. Two uh, two intriguing games. This is the, the group where I make my money. Denmark, who I predicted might come third at the World Cup. Me too. Need them to start nicely for me against Tunisia, France against Australia, France. How is that midfield going to cope? Julian Laurent here as well. Our friend over at ESPN tweeted the predicted starting lineup based on France's training session. Hugo Lloris, Benjamin Pavard, Ibrahim Akonate, Dayo Upamecano, Lucas Hernandez, Aurelien Chouameni, wow. Adrien Rabiot, uh, Ousmane Dembele, I nearly said Moussa, Antoine yeah. Griezmann, um, some guy called Kylian Mbappe and Olivier Giroud. Nigel Rio Coca, I don't know about you. I find that lineup a little bit underwhelming. Mm. It's underwhelming because of the, the luxuries and talent that we've seen come from France and what they have. And currently, obviously, there's some top players not available at the World Cup through injury. You talk about Pogba, Kante, Benzema, obviously, having to go home, Christopher and Cuckoo having to go home. Yes. It's going to be interesting to see how they really maneuver with that side now. What's France's approach going to be? But they have Kyle Mbappe. We've seen what Mbappe can do. When you have Mbappe and you just have a decent enough team, a decent enough midfield, he will cause any defense in world football problems. And he has the ability to get goals. He has the ability to make Mm. goals and create goals. So when you have him, you have a great chance of winning football matches. But I, I really would like to see how this team adapts and performs. I think that if we give our opinions only our opinions anyway, but it's just been so much change in this French team that really I can't wait to see how Didier Deschamps has them lined up and set up for winning games now with this this, this squad of players that he has available. Mm. When I look at this team, I think they are ripe for the picking with so many players out of form or lacking minutes. If you look at their CV, uh, gosh, you give them the edge because these players are playing at the biggest clubs in the world, like Real Madrid, Liverpool, PSG, it goes on. But if you're relying on just killing Mbappe to get you your goals, big problems. I do like Usman Dembele, though. I think he is having a quality season for FC Barcelona. Very high on what I saw from him in La Liga before the break and also the Champions League. I think he will be a difference maker for them with his form 
alongside Lewandowski, of course, in the attack. But when it comes to France, if this game continues to go nil-nil, the frustration settles in. Kylian Mbappe is not the most civil person when it comes to being frustrated. We've seen that at PSG, the, the infighting with between he and Neymar. And also, isn't there a guy named Rabiot that him, Mbappe, his mom, the agent thing, the, the I wonder if that resurfaces. That's not forgotten when you go to big tournaments. Goals change things. Goals, wins, make everything happy. For France's sake, if they get an early goal, it'll soothe the fears of everyone. But... I'm looking at this group overall, and I think this has become Denmark's group to win. Before, I thought it was Denmark's group to win, given how they've played France as of late. When you put the likes of Nkuku and Benzema healthy fit, it's a bit of a different story. But without those players here now, I think the Danish have become clear favorites to win the group. And it just makes me circle that game more on the calendar after the first two games. But you know, to, to round it out... Not much to say about uh, Tunisia. I think that's Maksani, Yusuf Maksani. As he goes, this team goes. He he was able to get them through the group stages at AFCON, get, help get them here. A lot of familiar faces from the last World Cup. Um, Kazri, the former captain, he's not included. He will be a big miss for them at this World Isn't Cup. Is he but- in the squad? Is he in the squad? I thought I he was. I thought he was in the squad. I'm just looking at a predicted 11 ah, that has him in the starting lineup. You know what? I know nothing. If he, if he plays, that's going to be massive for them. Take it, what I say I with a grain of salt. It could be a great one he, for the because he hasn't he hasn't he hasn't been starting for Afcon in the last uh, for Afcon and some of the World Cup qualifiers. James, it's the, it's the U.S. Summit thing that's <laughs> just clouding his judgment and his mind. But Michael is super knowledgeable. People out there, make sure you listen to Michael. Very knowledgeable. Um, for me, Mike, I think that the missing of uh, Nkuku and uh, Benzema leaving that French team has really opened it up. And I definitely feel that Denmark will finish top of this group and France second. Um, that's what I really have to say about that group. Yeah, I and mean, certainly that Denmark-Tunisia game, we might not have a huge amount of excitement about Tunisia, but it's one for the set-piece perverts among you. <laughs> Wabi Kazri at one end, Christian Eriksen at the other. Like, you know, if you, if you watch England and you think this would be great with more crosses and more free kicks, you are in for a treat, ladies and gentlemen. That is my final thought on soon-to-be third place, Denmark. Nigel, Mike, what are you looking out for tomorrow? What are you looking out for over the next few days? Uh, well, I'm I'm looking at gin and tonic uh, as soon as we wrap up, just to put <laughs> over my head. Than that, mate. Yeah, just to put over my head right now and ease the pain that's clearly affecting uh, my brain in all facets. Um, I- I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing this Argentina team. I know they're playing Saudi Arabia but they are one of the favorites. I'm looking forward to see if they can continue this run of form that they've been in. Obviously, we've talked about the Mexico-Poland game, one to watch. Obviously, he's a CONCACAF fan and CONCACAF aficionado. I'll be keeping an eye on that. But can Lionel Messi and the rest of the supporting cast continue this fine form? Uh, starts pretty early, my time, 4 a.m. Central. Oof, I'll be up, though. To segue onto Michael's point, I will be enjoying a nice Angelica Zapata Malbec tonight with a fine cigar and I prepare myself to watch Argentina and I'm sure we're not going to see any empty seats in the stadiums and uh, just looking forward to more games. Honestly, I am <clears throat> looking forward to more games, looking forward to interacting with the fans that we speak. Great to have different perspectives and opinions in the game and just trying to enjoy the world cup really is now like, and like I said, again, all the anger and frustration that people have directed to FIFA, the people who made this decision. They're the ones who need to be scrutinized and put under the spotlight because it was their doing. So let's just enjoy the football, hopefully, as much as we can, but still 
realising that there are some things going on that is actually bigger than this game that we all love so much. Indeed, indeed. Fine words to end on. Thanks so much for listening to House of Champions. Please take a moment to leave us a rating and review on your favourite podcast platform. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere you listen to podcasts. We're also available as a video. Subscribe to us on YouTube. We will be back bright and early tomorrow, I think at 10 a.m. Eastern time. I won't be, but the rest of the crew will be around to talk about Argentina versus Saudi Arabia, Mexico versus Poland, and everything else. The World Cup doesn't stop, and neither do we. Thank you so much for watching. Good night. Smile, Michael, smile. It's not the end of the world. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.